Today is about us um, as a special kind of day, us really saying, I wanna be a part of a church that's gonna continue to expand its reach to more people like Peter. And so if you're here today and you're new, you're a guest, first of all, we are so glad that you're here. Can we just welcome all our first time guests if you're tuning in online with us for the first time. My name is Tim, I'm the lead pastor, and today is kind of a special day. Today is a unique day. It's perhaps the only time we ever do this, unless some major tragedy, we only one time a year where we invite our entire church to come together and to give a special offering to help us continue to expand the mission of our church, to help provide for some specific ministry partners in this season. And, and that's kind of what today is. And so if you're new, you just walked in on our one weekend a year where we have this big offering. And so great weekend to join us. I just wanted to say that you did. You picked a great weekend. And I don't want you, if you're new, I don't want you to feel any pressure today, okay? Let me just release that. Don't, you don't feel any obligation or any pressure today. Um, this is something for most of us that call this church our home or maybe you've been coming and you're just like, I want to be part of it. I want to give and sow and be part of it. So many of us came here prepared for this moment. I know that there are maybe many of you new that are here today and you were like, I'm not prepared for this at all. Here's your thing, just feel released. You don't feel like you have to. In fact, we would love to give you a gift today. So if you are new, at the end of the experience, we've got a space for you called the landing right across the hall. And I'm gonna be out there. I would love to meet you. And so if you're new, you can stop off at the landing. Just connect with us. If you're online, you can connect with us through Digital Connect Card. For every first time guest, this is something I want you to know. Not only do you receive a gift, but you get to release an act of generosity. One of the partners, the mission organizations that we're partnered with through this offering in and beyond that is our Circleville School District. And right here in our own backyard is a school district. We've talked about this through this series that is an impoverished school district. And there are dozens and dozens of kids every single week that need food. And though they're getting free meals at the school, it's not enough. And so we partnered with the Circleville City Schools to provide, part of this offering is to provide hundreds and hundreds of bags of food for kids because they run out every single week. And for every first time guest that shows up and lets us know, moving forward, we're making a commitment of, of $9, which is what will provide a bag of food for a kid at the Circleville City Schools just for showing up today. And so I love that. That's the heartbeat of our church. If you're curious what, what we're about, it's about making a difference in the community around us. And we've been in a series called World Changers. We've been talking about this idea of this, I don't know, maybe call it crazy, but it's this idea that you and I could be used to change the world. And a lot of times when we think of world changers, most of the time what we think about is we imagine somebody that has tons of influence, has tons of money, uh, they're, you know, they're the popular people, they're the ones that are few, few people that everybody knows, they're the world changers. Can I just tell you that the most significant world changers that we have had in our history are not people who are really well known, not people who have tons of resources, but it's actually people who have seen need, they've seen hurt, they've seen struggle in our world, and they have responded to that need by saying, I want to meet that need. That's what it takes to be a world changer. It's not people who feel something because they see the hurt and they see the lack and they see the poverty and they see the pain in this world, but it is those who are moved by compassion to say, I'll be the one to do something about it. And so we're talking about what does it mean to be a world changer, and today what I want to do is we're going to 
in a little bit, we're going to give our offering, and it's going to be a special, unique way to do that. But I just wanted to share a brief devotional thought today. We've got some unique things that we're going to share with you, but I, I wanted to take just a few minutes to share just a thought that maybe would frame this moment, because I don't want you just to see this as like, okay, I'm going to participate, and I'm going to give in this one offering that we do. I want you to see this as an act of faith. It's not just an act of generosity, but it's an act of faith. Because what I've been asking myself and what maybe you've been asking and praying and asking God to speak to you is, God, what do you want me to do? That is the ultimate question that every world changer would ask. God, what do you want me to do? And sometimes what God will speak to you to do, to give, to be a part of, is more than you'll feel comfortable with. It happens to me every time. So the question is, how will I respond and, and so I really believe that this is more of an act of faith of what we're about to do. And let me just tell you something about faith. Faith is really scary. And if it doesn't scare you, then I would challenge and say that maybe it's not faith. Because faith is when you trust God even when it doesn't make sense. And I kept praying, I was like, God, what do you want me to share in the few moments that I have? And I just kept going back to this little story in 1 Kings chapter 17. So. I want to share it with you. If you've got your Bible, that's where I'm going to be. 1 Kings chapter 17, if you want to get it out. It's a story of a prophet named Elijah, um, who is just, I mean, he's one of the most epic prophets in the Old Testament, to be honest. And you're introduced first to Elijah in 1 Kings 17, really. And God sends Elijah the prophet to the king at the time of Israel. His name was Ahab, and he was a really wicked ruler. And one of the things that he did that caused the nation of Israel to really fall away from worshiping God was he got married. I know that sounds terrible, right? He got married. But he got, that's who he married. He married a woman named Jezebel who wasn't from Israel. She was from Phoenicia, another, another land. And he marries this woman, Jezebel, and when they got together, she brings this deity that she worshiped into Israel, and together Ahab and Jezebel led the nation of Israel away from worshiping the one true God, but true God, but to this false deity, and the deity was named Baal. Maybe you heard of him, Baal. Now here's what's interesting about this moment, this story. Baal is this deity that they worshiped, and here's what they believed. They believed that this was a God that controlled lightning, rain, storms, and fertility. And so they would look to this deity, pray to this deity, sacrifice to this deity so that this deity would provide rain for their crops and bring produce, not just in the land, but in their people. And so God is grieved over this. And so he sends a, a discipline or a judgment through the prophet Elijah. And I want you to catch this. Here's what God did. God said, well, if you're going to worship this false deity that you think controls the weather... I'm going to show you who's really God by controlling the weather. And so God pronounces this judgment that it's not going to rain, and it doesn't, for three and a half years. And in that culture, it's devastating. Drought causes famine, hunger, probably tens if not hundreds of thousands of people that could die. And God's doing it because the nation of Israel turned away from worshiping the one true God to this false deity. And so God then provides for Elijah, and I'm not gonna look at this part of the story, but he sends him to this ravine, this brook, where he drinks water every day because of the drought, as it's drying up, and God sends ravens, birds, to bring him meat and food every day, and they drop it on this rock, and he has food every day, and as the brook dries up because of the famine, 
This is what happens. We're at 1 Kings 17, starting in verse 7. It says, Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now pause for just a moment before we go on. Zarephath is a town that is in the region of Phoenicia, which, oh, by the way, happens to be the same place that Jezebel's from and where this god, Baal, is worshipped. And I, I love this moment because I don't think this is a coincidence. I think this is ironic. Because note this, here's what God's doing. He's sending Elijah to the very town, the place of the, the people that worship this false deity, and he says, they're gonna provide for you, Elijah. And this is God, I think God's kind of ironic and a little bit com uh, just comedic when I look at these things. And he's like, God's gonna provide for you, and he says, I've instructed a widow there to provide, to take care of you. Now, I was, uh, I was reading this, I couldn't help myself, but I was just, it brought me back to this story that I heard a long time ago uh, of this poor widow that um, struggled every day because she was living on just a small means. She had social security. It would often run out. She would run out of money at the end of the month. And every single month she would pray and she would pray so loudly for God to hear her and to provide for her. And she would live on the provision of, of people in the church and just, she just knew God would meet her needs and provide. This one particular month she's running, she's out of food. And she's at the end, and she doesn't know what to do. And so she's praying so loudly, God, I know you will provide. You always have. I believe you will. And so, God, I need you to show up. I need you to provide. I know you'll do it. And as she's praying this really loudly, windows open, her neighbor, her neighbor who's annoyed by her, her neighbor who doesn't believe in God, he's pretty sure there is no God, her neighbor who constantly hears her praying to her God is finally so fed up. He hears her going on and on. He's like, there is no God. She said, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the grocery store. And he buys her a bunch of groceries. And he sticks them on her front porch. He rings the doorbell and he hides in the bushes. I'm going to teach her a lesson finally. And she comes and she opens the door. And as she looks down, there's all these groceries. So what does she do? She begins to praise God. Oh, God, I knew you'd do it. I knew you'd come through. I knew you'd provide. Look at what God did. God's so good. God did it. God is awesome. And right as she's doing that, this guy jumps out of the bush and says, see, I got you. There is no God. God didn't provide it. I went to the grocery store. I spent my money. I bought your groceries. I put them right. God didn't do it. I do it. I did it. You know what she said? She said, you know what? God, you're so awesome. God, look at what God did. God did it. God provided. God did it. And he made the devil pay for it. I, I'm like reading 1 Kings 17. It's, I know it's an old preacher story, but I just can't help but think about it. God's like, I know there's no food. I'm gonna send you to the very place that is the cause of this, and I'm gonna provide for you. And so he gets there, and this is what it says in verse 10. It says, so he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar? so I may have a drink. And as she was going to get it, he called, oh, oh, wait, 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 and would you also bring me a piece of bread? Now here's her response, verse 12. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. And I'm gathering these few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This poor widow is out of 
resources. She's got nothing left but a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. And this request, can we not all agree, in her eyes, seems outrageous. There's a, dra- there's a, there's a, a drought, there's a famine, it's affected her. She's run out of food, it's her and her son. To be a widow in those days, it, you were, it was a struggle to survive. You survived on the generosity of others. And there's no generosity when there is a drought and a famine. And so she says, I, I, I don't have anything left. And here, here's what I was thinking about today. I was thinking about a moment, and I know this kind of year that maybe it's been for some of you, and, and I wanna say this, I, I know that in a, in a room this big and people just connected to this church, there's some of you that had a really good year. I'll just say this, there's some of you that were really blessed, and I thank God for it, you should too. There's some of you that got the promotion you only dreamed about, some of you got the new job that you just always dreamt about, some of you just experienced uh, God's blessing in so many different ways of your life, that, that this has been a good year for you, and that's awesome, we celebrate with that. But I also want you to know that there are many people in our community that it wasn't that case. I know this, because we get asked all the time as a church for help, and we love to help when we can. But I know that there are some of you that maybe you lost your job or your spouse did this year. Some of you that your business is taking a step backwards. Some of you that maybe would say, I feel like I'm in a drought season myself today, where I'm looking ahead and it just looks so bleak. And, and here's what I can imagine is that we have a day like today where it's, we're inspired and asked by God to give and we, we feel like I have so little. And I want to, some of you, I, I know how it feels. I, there's times I wanna give so much, but I feel like I have so little. Some of you feel like that. And if that's the case, can I just try for all of us to reframe generosity? Because I think sometimes we get confused when we hear generosity, what it is. Let, let me first start by telling you what it's not. Generosity is not determined by the amount of money one gives. Please hear that today. Generosity is not determined by the amount of money that one gives. You know, a lot of times what we do is we compare or maybe we look and we go, I don't have very much to give and, and maybe you're here today and you're like, you, you just, I, I just, I'm in a drought season. That's okay. Here's the good news in the kingdom of God is that generosity is not tied to any specific dollar amount. It's not like when you reach a threshold, then you're generous. Please hear this because there's some of us that may struggle with that. And, and I want you to know this, like for, for somebody to give $100 today, it may not be that generous. They make $150,000 a year. For them to give $100,000 is like, you know, I was gonna go buy a new pair of shoes and I'll give that instead. There's others, but could you imagine somebody who's living on social security and they only have $300 left in their account for the rest of the month and they were to give $100? Can I just tell you something? That's generous. Generosity is not determined by the amount of money and the amount that one gives. I, I would like to say it this way. I think generosity is determined, this is important, by the amount of sacrifice one makes. That generosity is determined by the amount of sacrifice that one makes. In other words, for somebody to give generously, it's not marked by an amount, but it might be out of the, the sacrifice of what they don't have. Jesus really painted this picture for us in a moment that happened in the New Testament in Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12, there's this moment where they're at the temple and Jesus is with his disciples and he sees this widow. Again, here's another story of a widow who's just struggling to make it. And he, he watches as this widow goes over to a box like this. 
a little, a little they, they would have offering boxes. The people would come and they would give and they would use it to help take care of needs. And um, he watches this widow come over and drop two little coins in the box. And scripture tells us that those two coins were valued at a fraction of a penny. And when Jesus sees what she did, he says to his disciples, he said, do you see what that widow just did? He said, she put in more into that offering than all the wealthy people did. They were bringing bags of gold. Here's why. He said, because she gave out of her poverty, not out of her wealth. That moves the heart of God. And so I want, I want us all to hear something today. That when we talk about being generous, it's not a dollar amount. It's when God speaks to you to give by faith, and it could be $10, and it is the only $10 you had this week. That is generous in God's eyes, okay? And I think this is really important for us to understand this, because this widow doesn't have much. But she says to Elijah, I, I only have enough for me and my son to have one last little meal, and then we're done. And I love his response. Look at what he says in verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said, but first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for, your, for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. I love what he says to her, he says, don't be afraid. Why does he say that? Because it's really scary to trust God in faith. He says, don't be afraid. He says, go back, and when you make that meal, make me some first. Now, that seems really selfish. You just had a widow tell you that there's enough flour and oil to make a small meal for her and her son, and then they're out. And you're gonna go and ask her to make something for you first, it's not that the ask was rude. It's that God was using Elijah to do something than more than ask for bread. What, what God was doing was he was testing her faith by asking for flour. He was testing her faith by asking her for flour. He said, but first, but first. See, this is what faith is. Faith is when God will call us to say, but first, put me first. Do you trust me first? This is why we'll talk about the first fruits all the time, because I believe in this principle where God says, if you trust me with the first portion, when we talk about the tithe, and that's not what today is about. Today's an offering, but the concept is still the same of trusting God with the first fruits. It's what God says, give to me the first 10%. Give to me before you pay your bills, before you pay your mortgage. And I know you got creditors, and I know you've kind of dug yourself a hole, but first, if you'll trust me, then watch what I'll do with the rest. It's about faith. He was testing her faith by asking for her flower. And what I find for these moments is that God is testing our faith by asking for our flower. He's, he's, he's challenging us to say, will you be generous toward my heart, my mission, and see what I'll do? And I know for me, these kind of moments stretch me. I don't know if they stretch you, but they stretch me, I'll be honest. God always, every year, uses this moment to stretch my faith. And here's what it looks like. For some of you who know this, right? You're, you're thinking, okay, I'm supposed to give, but 
man, this year it's like my kid's turning 16 and he's going to be driving and we got to pay for his insurance and the car. And it's, I, you, I know because I do this. My mind immediately goes all the big expenses that I've got. I'm not talking about Christmas. I'm talking about next year. Oh, I, I like, you know, you're just staring down where you've got some big projects or you're, gonna, you're trying to get into a house or you're, you know, you got, listen, I know it. I've got, a, I've got one of my kids that is getting married next year. If you don't think I think about those things, I do. I'm like, that's really big. And I just feel like God's speaking to me and say, but first, Tim. But first. If I speak to you and I say, I want you to give out of faith, but first, would you trust me? But how's it gonna? Elijah said, if you will put God first to the widow, see what God does by sustaining your supply. And I love what happens in the story. Look at verse 15 and 16, just at the end of it. it. says, she went away. This is bold faith, by the way. You know, sometimes we talk about faith as like some kind of like, well, I believe in God. Do you know what faith really is? It's not when you believe in God, but it's when you show up with your belief and you trust him when it doesn't make sense. It says, she went away and did as Elijah had told her, so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. This is a story that God asked this woman, this widow, if she would operate in faith and trust in his plan by taking care of Elijah first, taking care of the need in front of her first, even though she had a lot of need. And as I was thinking about this story, I was, I was thinking what, what God said to Elijah at the beginning of it. All right, what did God say? He told Elijah, go to Zarephath, for there's a widow there that I have directed to supply your need. And that's what happened. But I couldn't help but ask a different question. As I thought about this story and I looked at the end, I was wondering this, did God send Elijah to Zarephath so that a widow could meet his needs? Or did God send Elijah to Zarephath so that he could meet her needs? See, you can look at this story through the lens of Elijah, which is what we get. And we see God's provision for Elijah through a widow. But what if you look at this story through the lens of the widow? What I see is that God actually took care of her when she took care of the man of God. That God took care of her when she was faithful to respond and take care of him. And so here's my question for us today. And maybe for some of you that go, this is God's asking you to do something by faith and it's really scary and you don't know if you can. Maybe the question that is this, maybe God wants to use your faith and your flower to bring his provision into your life. What if God wants to use your faith and your flower and your gift today to bring his favor into your life? See, I think it actually releases something when we trust God by faith, when we're generous, when we say, God, I'm gonna put you first. What it does is it actually begins to release God's blessing in our lives. We don't do it to get rich, but we do it to be faithful. And then we get to see the faithfulness of God. 
And here's the beautiful thing about generosity and what we're gonna do here in a little bit. And the reason why I think this matters is because I think that generosity is the key to changing the world. I really do. See, as a church, we could talk all day long to people. We go out on the street corners and we could tell them the gospel. Hey, that's powerful. I hope you're sharing that with your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. I hope you're open to having conversations with people. But can I tell you the one thing that will actually get the attention of the world? It's when they see the church, not just talk, but the church actually give and show up. Generosity is the key to changing the world. If you don't believe me, just think about John 3.16, the most popular, most famous Bible verse of all, right? For God so loved the world, he did what? What is it? He gave his one only son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Generosity is the key to seeing the world change. And that's what today, that's what this moment's about. It's about us preparing to give. And I do believe that generosity is determined by the amount one sacrifices. And so I know that in a little bit, and I know through the series, because I felt it, I feel like God's been challenging me. Tim, what will you sacrifice for the kingdom of God? I know you've got things planned for this year. I know you got expenses, I know you got a lot of stuff, but I'm asking you, Tim, what will you give? Because you believe in a mission and a story that's bigger than yours. And here's what I love, and I know we're about to see this. Our church, we have so many generous people. I love, the thing I love about our church is this value of generosity is so significant. We got people that not just give financially, but they give of their time, they give their energy, their money. That is what makes this church so special. And that's because that this church is full of people who give of their lives so that others can live. I'm Debbie and this is Dave Smith. My name is Anna Johnson, and I've been going to X Church since I was in kindergarten. Uh, August 2007, I had a heart attack, quadruple bypass. After I was getting ready to leave, before I left, there happened to be a doctor at the end of the ta uh, bed there, and he was a nephologist, and he said, your kidneys are bad, so we need to approach that problem. And he wrote to Ohio State a couple of letters, so I happened to be on the, uh, in the process, probably three years. Well, in the beginning, uh, Dave did not want me to say anything. He's a private person, very reserved. But I did, on my own, tell a few people at church uh, to pray for my husband that he needs a kidney. So I kind of got to know Debbie first. It's funny, when I was at basic training, I was getting cards from some lady named Debbie Smith, and I had never even talked to her in person. I don't even know if I could point her out in a crowd, but Debbie sent me more cards than my own, at the time, fiance and now husband. So Debbie was ranking number one. Um, we would just talk every single week. I talked to Debbie. Every Sunday, we would just talk about normal things. How's life? How's work? How's school? She would ask me all of the things. And I always asked about Dave because I had heard through the grapevine that he was going through some health issues. Didn't really know any details, but she kind of just would always give me updates, really just to pray. Um, then one, one Sunday, she told me that they decided that he needed to go on dialysis. So I knew that he had been on the donor list, and I didn't really know how serious it was. And so for some reason, that Sunday in that moment, 
something just came over me and I was like, it kind of felt like common sense. Like, why would I not get tested? Like, I have two kidneys, I'm healthy. So like, what, what is there to lose? And so I didn't say anything to Debbie. I went home and I told my husband and he was like, what in the world are you thinking? Just for some reason, I felt like that's what I was supposed to do and I couldn't shake the feeling. She uh, told me, she said that I would like to be tested to be a donor for Dave. And I got a hold of her arms and my legs were just like um, jello. I mean, I didn't think I was gonna be able to stand up and I said, you really? I mean, it was like out of nowhere. And so I went and I got labs done. And then 24 hours later, <laughs> they got back to me that it was actually one in 100 thousandths of a chance that we would have the match that we did. When I heard that, I was like, how in the world do I not do this? We scheduled surgery like two days after I took my last final for school. Sometimes you just can't put uh, feelings into words. And I was worried more about her than I was myself. Because I thought about, I don't know if we talked about uh, you being young, having children or anything. You want, are you sure you want to do this? And uh, I, I, I thought about her a lot. Still do, every day. Showing up at the hospital and Dave and I had barely talked before this moment. Such a weird thing, but it was such a beautiful thing. I never felt scared the moment I'm rolling away and my parents are there and my husband's there and he's crying and he's nervous. And I just was rolling away with a smile on my face because I knew that God was in this and I had nothing but confidence that he was gonna see it through to the end. So right after surgery, it was a lot harder than I expected. The, the recovery was a lot harder. It was a lot more pain than I expected. Meanwhile, like the, the day after, everybody's telling me that Dave is like walking around the halls and cracking jokes. And I'm like, well, how did this happen? Um, the doctor came in and said, he shook his head. He said, I, I just think you look good. Uh, it's a miracle. And it's wonderful that you have a 21-year-old kidney in your body. I think you just have to believe in what he's got set for you. If you trust him, everything's gonna be okay. And I told her more one time, it'll be all right. It's just, you know, we just gotta believe that he's gonna take care of things for you. I think when God asks you to take a step um, and when you go to give something, it can be scary. You don't know the outcome. You don't know what's gonna happen in that. But I think God has just shown me that if you don't try, you'll never know. And to take that step and to just say yes, and it's not always gonna turn out like a beautiful story um, with a perfect fairy tale ending, but everything happens for a reason. And I truly believe that. And I truly have seen that through this process. And we're gonna prepare now to give our offering. And so on your way in, you should have received an envelope like this. If you wanna go ahead and grab it, if you don't have one, you can slip your hand up. You're like, oh, I, I missed it. If you need to, we've got ushers, they'll be ready to come out. So just lift your hand if you didn't get one, but I think hopefully everyone, okay, we got a few over there. I wanna encourage you, grab the cards out of the envelope if you would, okay? There should be two cards in there inside of the envelope. And you can just do one per family, but 
I want to I talk through these for just a moment. This one right here, this World Changer card, okay, on the back side of it, it has on here just your name, information you can give. If you came today and you're allowing God to speak to you with cash or check, you can put it in the envelope and you put your information. We'll make sure that it counts towards your contribution. But if you're someone who gives digitally, and I know that a big percentage of the people in our church give digitally, a real simple way, and I wanna encourage you, you can do that right now, is that you can take your camera out and you can point it to the QR code that is on the card or is on the screen next to me. So we'll leave that up for a moment, but if you give via text or online through our secure giving site, you can get your phone out, you can just point it at it, and it'll take you to a link where you can just click to, to give digitally in whichever way you do that. And if you're new and you've been coming maybe for a little bit, but you've never taken a step to give, can I just encourage you? Maybe you've been here for four weeks, six weeks, three months, and you've never taken a step into it. Today would be the perfect day to trust God with something. And so I wanna encourage you. Maybe you need to do that. Go ahead and get started. You can, you can fill that out while I'm talking, but there's ways you can do this. If you're online, and I encourage you, you can participate in this. We've got a host that will drop in the links in the chat, but a very simple one, if you're watching this, maybe another time, maybe it's after today, and you just feel inspired. You're like, I wanna be a part of what God's doing through X Church. You can just go to the x.church forward slash EOY, and right there we'll have the link on how you can give and be part of it. So I wanna encourage you, you can be filling that out as a family, but then I, I want all of us to then look at the other card, this other card that's in there. And I wanna say, if you're here for the first time today and you're like, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do, I have a way for every single person to be involved today without even giving. And so maybe you are in no position to give anything. I want you to be able to participate today. Because I believe that what we're doing as a church is not just giving an offering, but I believe that it is a step of faith. It takes faith to trust God with your resources. It takes faith to trust God with the flower that you have left. And so I always believe that in these kind of moments, what I wanna do when I'm responding in faith is I, I, want to, I wanna give to God not only my offering, but my prayer and my desire for how he could change my world in this upcoming year. And so on this little card, there's a couple lines, and what I'm asking is this. Fill in what I'm asking God to change in my world in 2024. And for some of you, it's gonna be the name of a family member that is addicted to drugs. And you pray for them all the time. It could be a family member who's struggling with their mental health. It could be you need a financial miracle. It could be that you're praying for God to open a door for you to be able to share the gospel with your neighbor. It could be the names of some people that you're inviting this Christmas from work someone that maybe God's put in your path. It could be a physical healing that you need. I, I want this moment, if it's gonna be about faith, it's not about the money, it's about our faith. It's about us coming to God and bringing our best and saying, God, I'm asking you to move on my behalf. I believe in the mission that I'm sowing into, but God, I also have maybe some things that I need in my life. This is like the widow. This is like the widow who's, who's giving, meeting a need in front of her while also having a need. And, and I believe that God wants to meet our needs. You know, I believe that the greatest way that God can sometimes 
pour out his blessing is not a return financial blessing, but it is a healing. It is a touch in my marriage. It is a touch for my kid. It is something for my mom and dad. It is something that I need in my life that is way beyond money. It's a relationship. It's a situation I'm walking through. And so this is an opportunity for us to do that. And so I, I just, in this moment, would just ask prayerfully, what is God calling you, if you're part of this church, to give by faith? And what are the things that you're asking God to do in this year? And we're gonna do that in just a moment. So I wanna invite you just to stand up with me if you would. We're gonna prepare to give our offering and the band's gonna lead us in a song as we do this. Before we do that, I'd love for you all to take your offering. Maybe you don't have it completed, that's fine. When we get done, there'll be plenty of time. If you need to sit back down and fill it out, that's fine. Maybe the... This represents the names or situations that you are praying that God would do or touch in your life in 2024. Maybe your health, your situation. If you have it in your hand, I'd love for you just to hold it up for just a moment and I wanna pray. Before we go to give it, I want us to pray and say, God, will you use this offering? Will you use my act of faith to release something in heaven on my behalf? And so Father, we hold these up God, we hold these up as we prepare to give. And Lord, I pray for every prayer need. I pray, pray for every request. I pray, Father, for every widow's situation represented here, where maybe we say, God, we only have a little bit left. Maybe it is financial. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's a relationship situation. Maybe it's a loved one that we care deeply about and we see their life falling apart. God, you know the needs, but here we are. As we come to give by faith, God, we ask you to move on our behalf. I pray, God, you would change us. You would change our world in 2024. And I'm praying, God, you will change the world through our offering as we give it today. God, we gladly do it in response to your love and your generosity for us. That, that Jesus, you gave your life so that we could live. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I wanna say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.